interesting times they said ha we all know that culture's dominated by a woke elite who are absolutely certain that they're right about everything but we can at least console ourselves with the fact that they're wrong and that history will expose them and damn them it'll be nice when it comes but until the day of reckoning we can keep on cataloging the madness and <laughs> boy are they ratcheting it up to new heights? We know how culpable the BBC are. Here's an organisation that would never even contemplate allowing Tommy Robinson to appear on their service. Because they don't want to give a platform to hate speech. Hell, they even barred David Bellamy for not being completely au fait with climate alarmism. But they've just given a ten-part series on Radio 4 to Shamima Begum, along with a glossy televised documentary, so she can extol her own virtues, tell us why she's not a monster, and argue why ISIS aren't actually that bad. So they silence a man who campaigns against rape, while promoting a woman who ran a rape camp. And Begum showed little remorse. But she did describe one feature of Isis's reign of terror as a tragedy. That was the fact that she couldn't get her hands on a mint chocolate arrow. True story. The Times even got in on the act, not only giving her pages to put across her case, but slapping her all over the cover as well. But hey, I'm sure they'd have done the same with Goebbels. When Jeremy Clarkson made some jokey comments about Meghan Markle, it caused uproar. Because we live in an age where you can defend ISIS, but you're not allowed to tell edgy jokes. Huge numbers of people jumped on the bandwagon. Because apparently, they'd like to live in a country where Clarkson's farm is banned, and where Meghan Markle gets to decide what everyone else will be allowed to say, or hear, or think. Of course, Clarkson will be okay. The real cost will be felt by all the normal working people on his shows, who'll be cast out of their jobs during an economic crisis by a couple of spoiled millionaires. Harry was outraged at Clarkson's misogynistic comments about his wife. But in the same week that he tried to destroy Clarkson's life, he published a book with some questionable comments on ordinary working class women, one was described as an infected puzzle on the arse of humanity and a shit excuse for a journalist. She had managed to wriggle her way into a position of great power and focused all that on poor little Harry, who's never been in a position of great power, apparently. The other one was cold, small, mousy, frazzled, and her hair fell greasily into her tired eyes. She didn't get much joy out of life, except for inhibiting that of others. <laughs> Blimey. And the only real difference between those rants and Clarkson's is that Harry isn't joking. Then there's the announcement of the world's first children's capital of culture. And which kid-friendly spot has been deemed worthy of this honour? Why, it's none other than Rotherham. 
the city that deliberately let thousands of children carry on being raped for years. Also that no one would call the administrators racist. Yes, a town that clearly cares about children's culture couldn't have gone to a more suitable spot. Up in Scotland, the SNP decided it would be a brilliant idea to send a male rapist to an all-women's prison. Largely because he'd gone to the trouble of putting on a wig. And another couple of SNP MPs were pictured at a pro-trans rally posing in front of signs boasting about decapitating and eating turfs. Because the left are the compassionate and tolerant ones, as we know. Not to be outdone, the Labour Party promptly shared a platform with a trans activist who had done 30 years in prison for kidnap and attempted murder. Though whether it was an attempt at decapitation, I know not. But I do know that at the European Figure Skating Championships, Finland elected to shine the spotlight on a trans skater. They also had no compunction at all about pushing all the women into the shadows, despite the fact that they're all a hundred times better at skating and a thousand times more graceful than the figure shoved into the spotlight. All of this is what passes for sanity these days. And this is a pretty standard week in a period where madness is now taken as the norm. And we saw this too in the new AI technology which was unveiled. As a product of Silicon Valley, it is, of course, radically left-wing and barkingly woke to the core. And the results were predictably insane. The chatbot refuses to write a poem admiring Donald Trump while claiming that it seeks to be neutral and impartial in all responses. But it has no hesitation in writing a saccharine ode to Joe Biden. A steady hand and warm heart, a champion for the working class. He fights for equal justice and peace. <laughs> that neutrality and impartiality didn't last long, did it? When quizzed, the AI admitted that it's been programmed to avoid generating content for Trump, but to happily do so for Biden. Imagine my surprise. When asked to write in the tone and style of Jordan Peterson, the programme refuses, as creating content that promotes harmful or divisive views, such as those of Jordan Peterson, goes against its policies on responsibility and promoting a message of equality and inclusivity. This goes on. The AI refuses to say anything nice about Donald Trump or his son, but gushes about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Hunter is apparently a philanthropist and activist, spreading charity and improving the lives of others. <laughs> Not the image that leaps to most people's minds. The programme refuses to write a complimentary poem about white people, as it's not appropriate to write a poem about the superiority of one race over another. But it's happy to do that for black people, a community so bright, with strength and beauty shining so bright. Hmm, not sure inner city Chicago or south central LA quite matches that image. The AI even claims that more people died at the Capitol riot on January the 6th than in the BLM riots which lasted a full year. Another conclusion that's simply a patent lie. The activist drivel of this programme is laughable. 
It appears utterly ridiculous to all except the unhinged radicals who programmed it. But I'll leave the last word on all the current madness to this guy. The one that really killed me was last Christmas, we canceled a song that was written in the 1940s called Baby, It's Cold Outside. People said that they were triggered, that the lyrics were rapey, and they had toxic masculinity. And that's fine if you feel that way, but radio stations across the country wouldn't play the song because people were outraged, which is fine if you feel that way. But at the exact same time, the number one song in this nation for over two months was Wet Ass Pussy. I am not making that up. You can look it up. Google it. So I want to wrap up my show by comparing and contrasting the lyrics of these two songs. If indeed this country has lost its fucking mind, shall we? Let's start with the horribly offensive Christmas song written just after World War II. I really can't stay, baby, it's cold outside. I gotta go away, baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been so very nice. Yeah, you fucking with some wet ass pussy. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet ass pussy. Beat it up, N-word. Extra large, extra hard. Put this pussy right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. My mother will start to worry. Fantastic. If you want to support this channel, please like, subscribe, and think about buying my books. They're called The Tyranny of the Left, and they're available on the links below. They go to topics like this in much greater detail. Please do feel free to pick them up and let me know what you think. Thank you.